Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right, daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious life. Morning. Cup of murder. No body, no conviction. This has been the case for many years, but there's always the exception to the rule. On November 19, 1986, a beautiful suburban mom disappeared from her home. And, despite never being seen again, someone was made to pay for her murder. So, if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Hella Crafts, born Hella Nielsen, was born on July 4, 1947, in a small village just north of Denmark. She was described as a vibrant, outgoing child who loved school, her family, and her friends. She took this likable personality and made her way into adulthood, and with the help of her ability to pick up new languages, Hella began college in England and later worked as an au pair in France. By the time she was 20, the gorgeous woman began working as a stewardess with Capital Airways, and when she heard that the infamous Pan Am Airways was looking for new stewardesses, she jumped at the opportunity. She was one of eight candidates selected out of a group of 200 who was sent to Miami to train for the job. On May 24, 1969, while waiting at a motel for an upcoming flight, Hella's life changed forever when she met a pilot named Richard Crafts. 
The 31-year-old was already engaged, but Hella didn't seem to mind the challenge. They began an on-again, off-again relationship that would last for a few years and would see quite a few public fights. Despite what was described as a hostile relationship, the two always seemed to come back to one another. And finally, in 1975, an unplanned pregnancy resulted in their marriage in 1979. Together, the couple would have three children, all while Hella continued her job at Pan Am with the help of a 19-year-old au pair named Don Marie Thomas. Then, Hella started showing up at work and engagements with bruises on her face. Her friends and family knew what must be happening behind closed doors, and some said Hella never forgave Richard for how he treated her during her first pregnancy. That Richard would disappear for days at a time, and Hella never knew if he was away on business, at a gun show purchasing yet another firearm, hanging out at the police station where he worked as an auxiliary officer with no pay and respond to calls he was not authorized to, or somewhere else entirely. He controlled all of the money and got to use it as he pleased, yet the house always seemed to be in a constant state of disrepair. In 1986, Richard got a job as a police officer in a nearby town and performed his duties with a fervor that made many uncomfortable, even purchasing the same type of car Connecticut State Police used and outfitting it on his own dime to look just like a police car. Oh, and if it wasn't clear before, Richard kept up his womanizing ways throughout their entire marriage, something Hella tolerated for the sake of their children and keeping up appearances. But by 1986, it seemed that she finally had enough and retained a divorce attorney. She also hired a PI named Keith Mayo to gather evidence so she could use it in court. On November 18, 1986, Hella was dropped off at home by a few friends after a long flight from Frankfurt. They said their goodbyes and watched her walk through the front doors. Hella Crafts was never seen again. That same night, a snowstorm hit town and sent the Crafts and their nanny to Richard's sister's home in Westport early the next morning. He said Hella was going with him, but when he arrived, she was absent. Dawn continued to ask where Hella was, and Richard kept saying she would meet up with them later. Hella never showed up, and her car was eventually found in the airport parking lot. Over the next few weeks, Hella's friends continually tried to reach their friend. When asked, Richard simply said she had gone back to Denmark to visit her mother. When asked again, he said he didn't know where she was. When asked again, he said she was with a friend in the Canary Islands. Hella Crafts was not reported missing until December 1st, and with that report and everyone else's experiences with Richard and his temper, her friends grew concerned that something may have happened to her. In fact, before her disappearance, Hella even told some friends, if something happens to me, don't think it was an accident. And thankfully, that PI she hired took that statement to heart. Knowing the situation she was in, Keith Mayo became convinced Richard Crafts had done something to his wife. He shared his concerns with law enforcement, but they did not seem as eager to investigate as he did. And I'm sure the fact that Richard was a friend and colleague had something to do with their lack of attention. But that didn't stop Keith and Hella's loved ones from trying to figure out what happened. One of the first people interviewed was Don Thomas, the au pair, who recalled several strange events that occurred November 19th and the days following. How Richard abruptly woke them all up to take them to his sister's home, how he seemed to have no clue where Hella was when she asked, 
how his story changed each time he was pressed for facts, and the strange stains she noticed in the bedroom. Stains that, shortly after appearing, had been cut out of the carpet without explanation. Keith made his way to a landfill to try and find those carpet pieces, but even after he found them, testing proved that there was no blood. Regardless, everyone insisted that Hella would not leave her small children and that Richard was violent and unhinged. Finally, on December 26th, more than a month after she disappeared, the county prosecutors referred the case to the Connecticut State Police. That same day, while Richard vacationed with the kids in Florida, troopers searched the craft home and found where the carpet was missing, as well as blood smear on the side of the bed. In total, after the team searched every inch of the house, they came out with 108 pieces of evidence. Evidence that pointed to Hella Kraft's murder at the hands of her husband. Unfortunately, the biggest piece of evidence was still missing, her body. But a look at her credit card statements and help from an eyewitness gave a pretty good reason why her body was nowhere to be found. Not only had her card been used to purchase a new freezer, but it had been used to rent a wood chipper and a chainsaw. The chainsaw was eventually found and found that it was covered in Hella's DNA. Later, eyewitnesses and snowplow driver Joseph Height would say that he saw a wood chipper parked near the shore of Lake Zor on the evening of November 18th leading into the morning of November 19th, around the time Hella went missing. What was a man doing chipping wood in the middle of a snowstorm in almost complete darkness? With all of this information in their hands, investigators pieced together a horrible story. That Richard Crafts bludgeoned his wife to death, froze her body, cut it into small, manageable pieces, and then placed the pieces in a wood chipper and sprayed it into the lake. Joseph Hines led them to the spot where he saw the wood chipper, and on the shore, investigators found small pieces of human tissue, the crown of a tooth, a fingernail covered in pink polish, bone chips, over 2,000 pieces of blonde hair, and type O blood, the same as Hella Crafts. On this evidence, the Connecticut State Medical Examiner issued a death certificate on January 13, 1987, and Richard Crafts was immediately arrested. The trial began in May of 1988, and with his guilty verdict read on November 21, 1989, became the first conviction in Connecticut history without a victim's body. Richard Crafts was sentenced to serve 50 years in prison and, as of January 2020, was released and sent to a halfway home in New Haven. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on November 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This daily true crime podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Morning Cup of Murder. I'd love it if you stopped by and said hi. Stay safe.